0: In 59 days, if the state of California had its way, the man inside the plexiglass booth would die by lethal injection. Teresa Peralta Paget paused to study him, the guard quiet at her side. Her new client stood with his back to them. He was bulky, the blue prison shirt covering his broad back like an oversized bolt of cloth, a picture of enthrallment, he gazed through the high window of the exterior wall at the San Francisco Bay, its water glistening in the afternoon sun. She was reluctant to distract him. The man's sole glimpses of the world outside, Terry knew, occurred when his lawyers came to see him. The others were out of it now. The last set of lawyers had withdrawn after their latest defeat. The final desperate efforts to keep Rennell Price alive, what she thought of as the ritual death spasms ordained by the legal system, had fallen to Teresa Paget. This was their first meeting, but for a solitude she could not have picked her client out from the other men huddled with their lawyers in the two rows of plexiglass cubicles. It resembled, Terry thought, an exhibit of the damned. Sooner or later, in months or more likely years, the impersonal, inexorable grinding of the machinery of death would consume each one in turn. But perhaps not, Terry promised herself, This one. At least not until she had burnt herself down to the nerve ends, sleep-deprived from the effort to save him. To her new client, she supposed, Terry might appear a mere morsel for the machinery, insufficient even to slow its gears. She was small, barely five feet four, and slight, with olive skin and a sculpted face, which her husband stubbornly insisted was beautiful. High cheekbones, a delicate chin, a ridged nose too pronounced for her liking, straight black hair, which, in Terry's mind, she shared with several million other Latinas far more striking than she. There was little about her to suggest the steeliness an inmate might hope for in his lawyer, except, perhaps, the green-flecked brown eyes, which, even when she smiled, never quite lost their keenness or their watchfulness. This wariness was Terry's birthright the reflex of a child schooled by the volatile chemistry which transformed her father's drinking to brutality, and reinforced by the miserable first marriage which Terry, who had no better model, had chosen as the solution to her pregnancy with Elena. Her personal life was different now. As if to compensate for this good fortune, she had turned her career down a path more arduous than most lawyers could endure. At thirty-nine, She had spent the last seven years representing death row inmates, a specialty which virtually guaranteed the opposition and, quite frequently, the outright hostility of judges, prosecutors, witnesses, cops, governors, most relatives of the victim, and, by design, the legal system itself, not to mention often her own clients. Now that stress and anxiety no longer waited for her at home, Terry sometimes thought she had sought them out. What would be most stressful about this client was not the crime of which he stood convicted, though it was far more odious than most, especially, given certain facts, to Terry herself. Nor was it whatever version of humanity this man turned out to be. Her death row clients had run the gamut from peaceable through schizophrenic to barking mad. But this client represented the rarest and most draining kind of all. For fifteen years, Through a trial court conviction in 1987, then a chain of defeats in the California Supreme Court, the Federal District Court, the Federal Court of Appeals, and the United States Supreme Court, Rennell Price had claimed his innocence of the crime for which the state meant to kill him. No court had considered this claim worthy of belief, or even in the last five of these proceedings, a hearing. As far as the state was concerned, Its sole remaining task should be to dispatch three psychiatrists to advise the governor's office, within twenty days of the appointed date of execution, whether her client was sane enough to die. One of the niceties of capital punishment, Terry thought sardonically, was the state's insistence that the condemned fully appreciate that lethal injection would, in fact, be lethal. She nodded to the guard. He rapped sharply on the plexiglass. With a twitch of his shoulders, as though startled, the black man inside the cage turned to face them. His eyes were expressionless. For him, Terry thought, the highlight of her visit, a view of the bay, was already over. With a resignation born of fifteen years of meeting lawyers in these booths, he backed toward the door and, hands held behind his back, thrust them through an open slot. The guard clapped on his handcuffs, closing them with a metallic click. Then Rennell Price, shackled, stepped away from the door. The guard opened it, admitting Terry. The door shut, and Rennell stood over her. As he backed the slot again, waiting for the guard to uncuff his outthrust hands, Terry had an involuntary spurt of fear. The reflex of a small woman confined with a hulking stranger who had, in the estimate of twelve jurors, done a terrible thing to someone much smaller than she. She held out her hand. I'm Terry Patchett, she told him, your new lawyer. His expression was somewhere between sullen and indifferent. She might as well have pronounced herself an emissary from Pluto. But after a moment, he looked up at her and said in a monotone, my name Rennell. She searched his eyes for hope, or at least some instinct to trust. She saw none. Why don't we sit? Terry said. Get acquainted a little. With a fractional shrug, her client turned, slid out the orange plastic chair on the far side of a laminated wood table, and sat, staring past Terry. Settling across from him, Terry saw the inmates in the next two cages huddled with their lawyers, lips moving without sound. Rennell's face, Terry decided, was more than inexpressive it had no lines, as if no emotion had ever crossed it. She reminded herself that he had been only eighteen when convicted, now was barely thirty-three, and that the fifteen years in between had been, were this man lucky, mostly solitary and unrelentingly the same.